I don't want to be startled in the bedroom. That's my job. <laughs> Pack it in. Anyway, what's what's that one called? That is battered chestnut. Ooh. Looks brown to me. Well, yeah, to the untrained eye, but if you look very closely, it's got a lovely shimmer. That's not far off a pulsating ochre. I don't want a shimmery brown in the bedroom. I'll have nightmares that I'm drowning in an hot pot. Tim, will you just go to work and get out from under my feet? The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 292 of the Talk of the Street, another official Cornish Street Catcher podcast that will be with you in a minute after I finish strengthening my pelvic floor. Six, seven, eight, I'm Gavin. That's not how you do that. That's how I do it. <laughs> and I can't believe we're both too sick this week to go to the movies when it's the weekend that Lisa Frankenstein comes out. Well, we'll still be going. <laughs> will we? Won't we? If we're sick, we probably shouldn't go out in public. Here you've been complaining right before we start the, the podcast that you won't be able to sleep tomorrow. I won't be sleeping in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, very excited for the Lisa Frankenstein. Yeah. I love Diablo Cody. She's kind of become like a Taika Waititi, though, in that she writes things and people are like, oh, it's, it's her movie, but she's not directing it. So it's kind of... Also not her movie. Mm. It is and it isn't, but she, you know, it's the first time director. So Diablo Cody is the is the name. Oscar winner Diablo Cody. She's not gonna shag you. I don't want to shag her. I want to be her best friend, okay? I watched you in the first body through the week and it was just okay. I remember it being much better than it actually is. It's just okay. Well, I think for the time, especially and also, it wasn't made for you. The trailer made you think it was for you. The trailer but definitely made you think that it was a, a raunchy romp. Right, yes, instead of feminism. I don't necessarily know that it's a particularly feminist movie, but it was a far darker movie mm-hmm. than we were led to believe. And it's not really that that, that got me. It was the, the dialogue wasn't as snappy and... Cody-esque, as I remembered it being, mm. as it is in, for example, Juno. Right. That's why she won an Oscar for Juno right. and not for Jennifer's body. Fertile Myrtle is still something I can't say in a Scottish accent. <laughs> you really can't. But it's a very funny line. <laughs> Can you do it in your American accent? That was my American accent. That was not. Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> Fertile Myrtle. Oh, we've just established, I think, last week that your accent can't be trusted for anything. <laughs> Didn't we? Didn't we go through that? Ouch. Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> Fertile. Fertile Myrtle. There we go. Anyway. That doesn't work because then you have to say Myrtile. Fertile Myrtile. It's not my fault that the names don't rhyme. <laughs> I didn't write it. No, because, and you know how I know? You don't have an Oscar. I don't have an Oscar. <laughs> anyway, how are you this week? Ah, sick. I've been fighting something all week. 
I didn't go into work on Monday, didn't go to work today, and I came home early on Thursday. But which was a bummer because I basically had the place to myself this week, which was nice. It was just me and the shipping guy. Which Todd is, from shipping. Doug from shipping. Doug from shipping. Doug from shipping. I yes. knew it had four letters in it. <laughs> and that was nice. And I had a, a client bring in some fabulous movie posters, which is why I went to work on Thursday. So that made me happy. They're folded up, though. Yeah. Rather than rolled up. That's a shame. Well, they're old. Hmm. You know, and it, it and movie theaters didn't used to roll movie posters up. They used to fold them. It's still a shame. There are some rolled that I haven't taken that I didn't share on Facebook. And there are some slightly Oh, where are my manners? <laughs> I'm, I'm just my mind's just not in the game at the moment. Delayed auction talk. <laughs> yeah, there there are some that are that are flat. There are some that are rolled, and there are some that are flat. And what's really cool about the flat ones is they're still in the plastic sleeves from the cinema. That that's say, the ideal that's, delivery. That say now showing on the top of them, and that's really cool. Right. There's uh, you know, some. Some 80s mixed up with the 70s and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm really quite excited. And then, you know, I'm just too sick really to mess with them. Although I was doing records this week anyway. So I wouldn't be going, getting into them until next week or the week after anyway. But yeah, so it was a much quieter week. I, I enjoy it when I don't feel pressured to talk to people. Right. You know. Welcome to our podcast. Because <laughs> Doug is also a very quiet person. Which well, is helpful. That's shipping for you. <laughs> ah, how was your week? It was all right. Shall we preamble, my dear? You're sick too. Yeah. I just don't, don't you wanna, I, I just don't go on about it. Don't you want to complain about being sick? I think I drank too much NyQuil last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying at work today, I think I drank too much of that stuff last night. Because uh-huh. it, it had me out like a light. Uh-huh. But it took me till about two o'clock this afternoon to wake up (laughs) which is fine except i started work at eight right yeah yeah so yeah that's when you take the day quilt it doesn't help that we use shot glasses to take the stuff i don't i just take a swig from the ball which is even worse because then you're reinfecting everybody else who has to use that bottle you're welcome asshole let's see if we can make it to will podcast for coffee (laughs) Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. And give us some of that sedated Cory news. All right. Let's see if I can remember how to properly say this man's last name. I'm here. <laughs> Will Mellor. Mellor. <laughs> Will Mellor. That's what I said. You're saying Mellor. You're putting the emphasis on the or. Mellor. Mellor. Just say Mellor. Imagine it's spelled M-E-L-L-E-R. Okay. Will Mellor, who is my my age, by the way. Did you know that? He's only 47. He looks your age, not my age. Mark the difference. (laughs) 
has had successful lens replacement surgery due to eye deterioration. All the best to him and the pile of scripts and part offers he's sure to receive after Harvey that now he can successfully read. Are you suggesting that he didn't properly read the script for Harvey? <laughs> no, no, I'm just... Oh, you should I'm be. Just, I'm just... His wife had to read things to him, which is why he got the surgery. That's pretty amazing. Was he that blind? Yeah, he was. He he couldn't read. He couldn't see things. He he was talking about how, you know, they gave him eye drops for after the surgery, and before the surgery, he couldn't read the label on the bottle. Wow! And then after the surgery, when he got home, and he was going to use them for the first time, he noticed he could read the bottle. So that's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him and his eyesight. Yes. Can you imagine how expensive that surgery would be over here? I don't even want to think about it. Ellie Leach is not resting on her laurels after her strictly win as she signs up to play Miss Scarlet in the theatrical Cluedo 2, which I still find it hilarious that you guys call Clue Cluedo. Oh, don't Cluedo get, don't get all word. don't get all stuff you should know on me. Cluedo's not a word. <laughs> Why is it Cluedo? Things have to be words. Yes. Do they? When they are words, why would you add the dough to it? I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not Bill Warrington or <laughs> Waddington or whatever the guy's name was. I don't know. I've I no idea. I've always known it as Cluedo. It's always been Cluedo. So you guys must have been really confused by the movie. No. Being called just Clue. No, I can handle two <laughs> different words. That was fine. Ah. I think it was Clued. Right. Not clue, though. But it's Cluedo now. I think it was clued, as in you're clued. And then you say, oh! Oh, oh of course it's, of course right. it's Miss Fathersham in the, in the hospital with a bedpan. Or whatever. Scarlet. And the Scarlet bedpan. Peacock. Anyway. White. Yeah, uh, apparently they've renamed some of the characters in Clue. Like Mr. Body is like something else now. I don't know. Mr. Black was the was the victim in the British version. Right. I <laughs> played it once. It was a boring game. Seriously? Yeah. I love Clue. Uh, I played it like a million times when I was a kid. I love that game. I, I think I maybe played it twice. I love solving mysteries. That's why I look like Velma. It's not really a mystery, though. It is, because you don't know what's on the little cards in the envelope. It's a guessing game. Right, but you, you get clues through the game, hence the name of the game. So it's not really a guessing game, because if you guess wrongly, you're out, you know, and then you become the next body or whatever. Anyway, we're spending far too much time on this. Thank God she wasn't in a game, in a theatrical adaptation of, of Monopoly. <laughs> or a Twister later. No. And, fi- <laughs> and finally, sharpen those pitchforks and light those torches, Corey fans, as the schedule has once again been mucked up due to the footy. How many times is this going to happen? Can we write the king about this? Is there anything he could do? I know his mum loved Corey, so he must have seen it a few times. Yeah, he's been on the set. Yeah, exactly. I think the the show kind of suffered a little bit this week from from the 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 mucking up, up with last week where we got right. two episodes last week. So it felt like the Monday episode that we got this week should have been Friday. And the Friday episode that we got 
today should, should have, have been, been Monday. Monday. So who knows what really Sunday's going to be like? Just well, I mean, I might. I didn't. I could have. I have watched it already. Britbox. It was already on Britbox on Friday evening. Yeah, and it's Brit still Box, on Britbox. Britbox said Monday, Wednesday, Friday, <laughs> as per usual. Britbox does not give a fuck. <laughs> it really doesn't. So yes, yeah, so I have watched what will be aired on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to worry we're about that. We're not going to talk about that until next week. That's right, and that's Corey News, which leads us seamlessly as ever onto our feedback section that I like to call "Everyone's a Critic." French Helen wrote in to say, Helen, me and my fellow podcast listeners love you and you have the benefit of not having to work with any of us. This makes us better. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that means. This means that they're better than your actual workmates. Oh, okay. That's what I assume that that means. Okay, and not that they're better for not having to work with me. Oh, maybe. (laughs) It's, It's certainly ambiguous. Well, we Helens must stick together. So. Yes. Yes. Feedback is always welcome. Send us your thoughts and I will probably read them out. Get us at the talk of the street at gmail.com or our DMs are open at Corey Podcast, which leads us on to Will Podcast for Coffee. Thanks to Vanessa for our coffees this week. Thank you. Vanessa. Carrying on a theme here, writes, Helen, you're an absolute delight. The losers who think you're a snob need to have a chat with the snobs who think that you make too many sex jokes because their criticism has their criticism has holes in it, and those holes ain't lining up possibly like that. Thank you very much, Vanessa, for our coffee this week. Oh my god, that's so funny. (laughs) Maybe I should tell more sex jokes at work. Do you think that'd help? Yeah, that'll make people feel more <laughs> more comfortable, certainly. <laughs> Although, at this point, Helen, anything's <laughs> worth a try. You're not drinking coffee. I'm not drinking coffee. I've never drinking coffee this time of night. I'm drinking Canada Dry. Later on, I may have a chicken equal. Yes, and I'm drinking cranberry juice. And I just realised that my Ronald McDonald glass from last week is still here. Although I think maybe it's not from last week. You maybe. always leave your glasses here. But I'm drinking... Cranberry juice out of a bumpy glass. I don't know that we need to be specific about what we're drinking things out of. I think the I love my I love I love my bumpy glasses. They're they're exactly like the ones we had growing up. That we had grown up. That we had growing up, not you. No, I didn't have them growing up. No, no. I'd missed them in glasses when I was growing up. <laughs> you were never trusted with like an adult glass. I was when I was an adult. Ah. When I was a child, I was given Mr. Man glasses. <laughs> Mr. Strong and my gran always just filled it up to about a third of the way up. And she said, that's how much fizzy juice kids are supposed to get. Uh-huh. I was like, well, what's the point of having a glass that size then if you're only going to fill it up to a third? What did you do with the rest of the juice in the can? It wasn't the cans in the bottle. Oh, okay. Cans. Yeah. Like seventies in Scotland, we didn't have cans. Anyway. Uh, was it a glass bottle? Yes. Yeah. No plastic. Not in those days. No. Although your Mister Man was a glass, it was a plastic glass, wasn't it? No. Really? It was yeah. glass glass? Glass glass. Because oh. quite a few of them got broken. I kind of wish we had them now. Throwing them at my grand for not giving me a proper <laughs> amount. Of, uh, 
proper amount of fizzy you juice. You would never. Anyway, thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. For buying us our coffees this week. It is very much appreciated. The Talk of Street is and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think a show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it, and if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. You can also sign up to be a friend of the podcast through the same link, where for as little as two bucks a month, you can get a mention in the closing credits of each and every episode. And remember, you can always support the podcast for free. Get us in front of new listeners by liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. And now this... Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, welcome to Lash of with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Wonky Ewan. Wonky Ewan. Does this have something to do with chocolate? I think this was Eileen and Todd investigating Lawrence and finding a photo of him with his arm around a man that Todd described as <gasps> Wonky Ewan. I can barely remember that. I was Gavin and you were coming to us live from WKPR in Cincinnati. WKRP in Cincinnati. Cincinnati yes this was ahead of your appearance on a Florida radio show talking about books oh that's right and that was all we talked about in the pre-preamble <laughs> That's not, was, like, that's not like you monopolise that part of the show. I, I, I was really confused because I was like, wait a second, was it Thanksgiving? So why was I talking about WKRP in Cincinnati and we weren't in Ohio Damon insists that the scheduled drug delivery at the beach Schedule. road goes ahead as planned Todd's a dirty stop out, but his taxi driver has a lot of information he's dying to get off his chest about Lawrence's past. Ooh. Roy's relationships with his friends and his ability to run his business both suffer as he becomes more obsessed with his phone. Ahead of her trial for the ladies' golf squad, Bernie is devastated when she learns that Dev let her win. Or so he says. Did he let he her win? He didn't let her win. Peter's trading storyline returns to find him with a tablet that he's keen to trade with Tyrone for a tool set. Remember when Peter traded an onion badgie for a motorbike? Yes. Sarah, that was unfortunate because it gave Paul MND. It did. Sarah and Michael pull out all the stops by using the factory and Beth to produce samples ahead of a very important business meeting. Addie's golf clubs go missing for a bit. Evelyn has a snazzy new scarf and Sean almost goes to Dignitas. Our moment of the week was Addie and Dev playing living room golf and our boring moment of the week was Rufus Houndstooth's sexism. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street. This time... Last year. May he rest. Yes. He did get better. Poor old Rufus Houndstooth. What was his real last name? I don't remember. No idea. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I look at that man and I see Houndstooth. Well, I look at that man and I see a corpse. Shaking his little bag of cocaine or LSD or whatever it was that he had. Brains mm. to infect with drugs. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with this week's recap. And we're back. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline tonight, and like I said, it's another shortened week, is Tommy OMFG. <laughs> Why was it cancelled on Wednesday? Was it more football? I Yeah, it was football. And then it, it, there's the article that I read mentioned football, but it, then it also said something about a, a scheduling conflict, but it doesn't go into detail. I don't know. I they continuously put football on ITV One, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. 
It's but fine. there's an ITV2, there's right. an ITV3, there's yeah. an ITV4, I think. Maybe too many ITVs. And if you're not going to put Coronation Street on ITV1, yeah, put two, it on ITV2. Yeah, or three or four. Let Which, people who want to watch Coronation Street watch Coronation Street. This isn't difficult. The only thing you've been having on ITV2 anyway would be some Keith Lemon shite. <laughs> Just bump that. Right. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's watching that. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. It's awful. Is it? Yeah. Never seen it. Anyway, Tommy OMFG. On Monday, Tommy O is round at Sally's talking colour samples. Tim is being ignorant and trying to impress Tommy by being cheeky to his wife. Tommy O, though, has a look about him that he might get wired into Sally at a moment's <laughs> notice. And agrees with her that that shade of pink is very empathetic. <laughs> so, Tim drags Tommy O to Nina's rolls for a cuppa. Tommy promises Tim's mates rates, which gets Tim in a lather. He's mates with Tommy O. Tracy comes in and secretly asks Tommy to pop round to the shop so that uh, she can settle his invoice later. Aye. It'll be the last chance before Steve returns tomorrow. But Steve is back. Today. Today. A day early from visiting his daughter for the first time in months, maybe years. Right. He drops in at number one for a long and frustrating conversation about France with a particularly pompous Ken. Oh, God. Oh, Ken went on a bit, didn't he? Oh, God. Correcting Steve at, at every turn. Yeah, every possible turn. Steve thinks the break is just a tonic for him and Tracy and a fresh start is on the cards with a nice Chablis and some saucisson. He wants to give her an afternoon she'll never forget. With his, Too late! Tadio's already doing that. With his saucisson. Amy comes in and is impressed to see the effort that Steve's gone into and advises him to go round to the florist to really give Tracy a surprise. And the florist, Tracy has settled Tommy's invoice <clears throat> and now wants to make a withdrawal from his bobby. She locks the door and they get down to it behind the counter. But as they're getting it on, Steve starts battering on the door and shouting for Tracy. He sees her bag on the counter and thinks that she must have had a fall, so Tracy has to go and open up. He wonders why she was locked up, and at that, Tommy appears behind her. Which is stupid. Go out the back door, Tommy O. No reason to be there. No reason. And so Steve is kind of suspicious about why Tommy O. Well, he's not suspicious about. He's just confused. Right. Tracy says that he was over to settle the bill. Steve is very impressed with the job Tommy has done in the bedroom and asks what his technique was. <clears throat> Steve would have given it a go himself, but he's a bit rusty. And he thanks Tommy for fucking his wife and doing the decorating. <laughs> he invites Tommy to join him and Tracy for the wine and charcuterie board thing at number one later. And also a, a menage a trois. How romantic. So at number one, Tracy wonders if Tommy was getting off on this as Steve arrives with more cold meats and cheeses. Steve is a bit of an asshole, but no more than usual, then gives Tommy a bottle of wine as a thank you and gives Tracy a bottle of expensive duty-free perfume. Overcome. She goes upstairs to listen to some tapes, leaving Tommy and Steve to listen to Edith Piaf. Steve asks how Tracy was while he was away. He explains to this complete stranger how the two of them have been having some problems recently and he wants to patch things up, but he doesn't know how. Tommy suggests that he makes more of an effort in the everyday situations, so Steve thanks him. He may just have saved his marriage. What a brilliant human Tommy O is. So Steve sees That's what she said. Tommy O to the door and then shows off when he sees Tim and Sally making out that he and Tommy are the bestest of best friends. Tim is shocked to the core 
and once again becomes angry at Steve because of this. This is the jacket thing all over again. Yes, it is. And then Amy comes home later and gives Steve an earful for inviting the decorator around to his romantic meal with his wife. Oh, well, I suppose when you say it like that, it doesn't sound that great. Amy calls him hopeless and gormless and a fucking idiot. Yes. So then on Friday, Steve has planned a romantic lunch to make up for the romantic dinner. Amy thinks that he's having an affair and Steve explains how he would have an affair. He's certainly not going to have it in his own living room. Right, yeah. And he tells her to sling her hook. But then he gets a text from Tracy to say that she's stuck at the flower market and won't make it home after all. Steve, like Rana, is crushed. So is flower market the new code word for Tomio's Bobby? No, because Tomio is with Tim. Is he in this Isn't point? He? No, he was with Tim yesterday. Yeah, no, he's with Tim. Again, today? Yeah. Because yeah. I thought that as well, but then he and Tim are best friends in the pub. Tim winds Steve up. Tommy O is starting work in Tim's place today and he plans to have nicknames all agreed by dinner time. That's how friendly they are. Steve, though, is too worried about being sexy to care. He thinks Tracy might have gone off him and Tim suggests giving it time and in a while he'll be begging for a night off. And later in the street, Tim's bidding a fond farewell to Tommy O while Steve watches on from the other side of the street. Tim brags that this is going to take ages to finish his job because they keep on breaking off for chats. Steve is unimpressed. Then Amy appears feeling guilty about calling her dad a fucking idiot and indulges him by letting him bleat on about Tommy fucking O. And that's as far as we get with that storyline this week. Yes. Steve's whole, oh, well, Emma had to do some work and I didn't want, I didn't want to bum around Paris by myself. So I came home early. There was nothing in Paris to do on your last day in Paris. Paris? I mean, I've never been, but I'm sure it's a lot nicer than Coronation Street. Yeah, there are certainly things that he could be doing to entertain himself. I think there's one or two art galleries in Paris that... Just a few. ...that might might entertain him. Well, I guess it's Steve, though, isn't it? And they do also have this tower. He was in a hurry to stake his claim in Tommy O before Tim got his claws into him, I suppose. But... The fact that he hasn't seen Emma in so long. Right. And the fact that he presumably has to pay extra to change his flight. Right. To get back home again just seemed for a just bit... For just one day. Just seemed a bit ridiculous. But it's not really for that. It's so that he can almost, almost catch, catch him Tracy and, and Tamio exactly. doing the deed. Why are they doing the deed on the floor right behind the counter? There's a back room there. Hmm. Why would you be like in the front where if you're making noise, people walking by will hear you? I was disappointed that the the vague interest that that Tommy O seemed to have in Tracy wasn't transferred now onto Sally fully, because he did seem to be kind of into Sally on on Monday, or maybe it was just, or maybe he was just being, being a professional, being a professional decorator. But I kind of, I really want him to be. <laughs> This Lothario and this kind of Robin Asquith sort of confessions offer sort of character. Yes, well, I want Roy and Evelyn to have a sexual relationship. We don't always get what we want. But this is far more in keeping with the show's MO, I think. Maybe their MO in the 70s. To make them, well, I I don't know that they know that it's not the 70s anymore. (laughs) I mean, they did have Steve saying, I think... 
two or three minutes of double entendres to, to Tomio today. So if you're looking for sophistication, I think you might be looking in the wrong story. Like. Yes. He also bought his daughter a toilet roll cover thinking it was a hat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, again, it's, it feels kind of off because it's a Friday Monday episode that we've got here. So the kind of minimal con, uh, completion that we get on these storylines is kind of lost because we're expecting another couple of episodes worth of things to happen, I suppose. But it's still, I don't know, it just felt, it just felt kind of incomplete and inconsequential. Is that the word? I don't know. An awful lot of it. Because the meeting, this kind of catching them and then not catching them, it was a bit of a, a red herring. And then the stuff that happened today was just setting Tommy up with Tim, basically, and and allowing, I guess, Tim and Steve to have a conversation about Steve's relationship. But I don't know. Well. I don't know if this is delivering what they wanted to deliver this week. Mm-hmm. I think last week, the stuff that was going last week was far more entertaining. And the build-up to that has been entertaining. And Tommy was as a character that has been reintroducing at the show and on a somewhat regular basis at the moment felt like a like a good move just didn't feel it this week uh, yeah i think you're putting far too much weight on 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 the episodes when when we haven't seen the full three episodes that were planned i i, I think your your expectations are too high on what you can get from two episodes that were intended to be three episodes. Three-part story. Monday, to, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Beginning, middle, and end. And we don't get the beginning, middle, and end. We get the beginning and the middle this week. And I don't think that's really the show's fault. There should always be a cliffhanger. There should always be something that makes you want to... Tune in again. Well, maybe we'll in get the next the, episode. Maybe we'll get the cliffhanger on Sunday. But the, no, but you should have that every episode. It some, does some, not have that every episode. Well, what is that? What's intriguing you to go back then for the next episode? Then, if there's nothing, this podcast. Personally, for me, it's because we do this podcast. <laughs> it very rare. Wednesday very rarely has something that you're like, oh but my this god! This is a Monday episode. I know. But Monday and Wednesday very rarely have something that you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Friday ends that way. You can't keep on having flat episodes worth of a story or it turns into stew. If you don't have something that's kind of keeping the the momentum going for it, then you end up with a stew storyline or you end up with a, a Sean storyline where, where you end up just not caring about it. Nothing that happens this week are in storylines that we hate. So I was fine with it. I enjoyed this week. Seems like I enjoyed it more than you did, which is unusual. All right, then we shall move on to our next storyline tonight, which is What a Scoop. On Monday, at Daniel's, Bethany is smooching his neck and sweeting him up as she drops a big question about Daisy catfishing Ryan. She's such a cow. Daniel, though, puts his foot down. He doesn't want to talk about it, especially when he's late for work. So Bethany... Goes to wash her tongue and get some chunkier jewellery. Bethany's at Sarah's <laughs> and asks what she knows about Daisy catfishing Ryan. Sarah knows nothing much about it other than it had nothing to do with Daniel, if that's what Bethany's worried about. 
that isn't what Bethany's worried about, but she pretends that that is what Bethany's worried about. Uh Later at the flat, Daniel is typing up a lesson plan for racist Kelly. He feels sorry for her and the deal that life has given her. He explains that racist Kelly was living with Ryan when all that shit was going down. So this gives Bethany an idea. So off she goes to Nina's rolls and she gives racist Kelly some help cleaning up a table because she knows about uh, waiting tables, you see. Because she did that in... And stuff. She asks about the tutoring and offers her services too if she wants a break from boring fucking Daniel. Racist Kelly has heard about Bethany working for a magazine in that London, so is well impressed and is thankful for the offer. So later, Daniel is pished as a fart walking home from the pub and wants to recreate the cover of Freewheeling Bob Dylan with Bethany, who has no idea who Bob Dylan is. And they run into Racist Kelly, who also doesn't have a clue who Bob Dylan is. She hopes Daniel is free tomorrow for a tutoring session. He isn't, but Bethany offers her help instead, and racist Kelly is quick to agree. Daniel imagines them as lesbians, and is happy with this arrangement. So on Friday, at a weird corner table in the bistro, Daniel and Bethany are talking about racist Kelly and the lesson plan, and Bethany is on board with this. So in Nina's roles later, Bethany and racist Kelly are working on an essay together. Bethany quickly... Uh, diverts the conversation onto Daisy and racist Kelly is only too happy to oblige because she thinks that Daisy is a cow and so she starts to throw Daisy under the bus while Bethany surreptitiously starts recording on her phone racist Kelly gives Bethany all the juicy goss and after she's spilled everything racist Kelly checks to make sure Bethany won't say that she's been gossiping but there's a Bethany sized hole in Nina's Roll's front door by this point (laughs) So Daniel, Bethany and Adam are in the rovers. Adam goes to the bar and Bethany is already sick of the sight of him, so Daniel suggests that they leave. Bethany wants to go home to finish the article. Daniel offers to proofread it. Bethany tells him to suck her balls. Yes, she does. And that's as far as we get with that this week. What an absolute cow. Who? Bethany. She takes after her mum. Yeah. Although, Although my sympathies are with Sarah, kind of, at the moment. But it's just... You come back, you you have no idea what these people have been through. You were not here for the acid attack or for the aftermath of that or any of the stuff that Ryan went through, you know, with his mental health. And you're, and you're just like, oh, these are people I know, people I grew up with, people in my community, and I'm just going to use them all to further my career because I'm a terrible, terrible person and I'm going to manipulate this poor girl who is desperate for approval and is just trying to get an education finally in her life and I'm going to throw her under the bus completely Mm. and use her as a source and I don't think she is enjoying fucking Daniel at all. I don't Bethany? think. No. Yeah, no. She's not there for him. It kind every time he suggests them going home, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She always looks like she's throwing up in her mouth a little. Well, she had that last week certainly when Daniel was offering to bathe with her. Yeah, and Daniel seeming to think that he could ever replicate anything Bob Dylan has ever done in his life is. Laughable. Well, it's just walking down the street, isn't it, that cover? Right, yeah, but it's daytime. They're walking in the middle of the street, not the sidewalk. And they are not in the same position as Daniel and Bethany are. Bob Dylan is on 
the Bethany side and his wife is on the other side. Do you get the idea that sometimes Daniel just says things to prove that he is aware of things? Like he's mentioning, he mentions this album cover knowing that Bethany's unlikely to know what it is. Right. And is probably very sure that Racist Kelly doesn't know what it is. Right. I'm but sure he's mentioning it to tell them that he knows what it is. Right. And they don't fucking they don't care. care. But he's... It's like when he... Um, like when he, he corrects their, their diction or when he mentions a, a novelist or a poet... He's not really doing that to impart any knowledge or to share anything. It's just to make him look smart. Yeah, it's just it's just to prove that he knows things that they don't. Right. And but also the things that they know that he doesn't he doesn't care about. No. No. I was a little I I was actually, if I'm honest, I was a little shocked that that Daniel would reference Bob Dylan. You would think that Bob Dylan would be a bit too plebeian for him. Of course, Bob Dylan does have a Nobel Prize. So I guess in Daniel's estimation, that would make him worth his while. I don't know. It was it was just very weird. Is this what he's like when he's drunk? He just references the music of his... God, not even his father, like his older brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ken's a little too old for Bob Dylan. And I think even Peter's slightly too young for Bob Dylan. Oh no, I think Peter's probably in that in that age group. Because hmm. my dad kind of like Bob Dylan, and so yeah. he'd be seventy something now. Oh god. Yeah, that that checks out. Considering my mother's seventy four, and your dad was older than my mother, wasn't he? Or he was. He'd been eighty this year. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Oofed. Something to think about. Here's a thought. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know that that this is the, the answer to Bethany's prayers either, because... Yeah, this is going to get her th- ostracized this is the so best, bad. This is the best story that she can come up with. Right. So what happens after this story? Who knows? If, well, if this is what she's throwing is... all her um, all her eggs into this basket well, she didn't of, even of getting the storyline... She didn't even know this basket existed until last week, which is a weird thing. But it did kind of feel like she came. Honestly, I thought she came back to try to get another angle on the Uncle Stephen story. Yes, that's that's what you said last week. Right. But now she's got this. And I can see. I can see this working for her four or five months ago. But at this point. The whole Ryan thing has kind of cooled after his whole brave, so very brave video about why he did the OnlyFans or whatever it's called on the show thing. Well, would would the public still be interested in this about these these two people whose lives were devastated by this acid attack? See, I think the acid attacks are thankfully fairly rare Mm -hmm. no doubt that they happen and they happen too often but I think they they do happen kind of rarely or rarely enough that it is it becomes noteworthy on on the news especially if it happens 
the day of the bride's wedding, especially when someone steps in to take that acid for uh, for the bride, so he which, ends up getting... Which he didn't do intentionally, let's remember. No, but that's what happened. <laughs> so I would imagine that the likes of the Weather Gazette obviously would know all about this. Chit Chat Magazine loves wedding stories. Yeah, but this isn't really the wedding story anymore. But, but there is a there is a, a heart rending story here. That it it seems like like she's kind of trying to go down a a path that's already been right been trod. This is this one is, would have thought. This is turning the heart rending story about two victims of an acid attack into well, one of those victims of the acid attack is actually a terrible person because she catfished the person that took the acid for her sort of thing. And I don't feel like that's an angle that's going to win any prizes necessarily because you've taken all of the work that all of these other writers have done to build Daisy's tragic story up. Mm. And then you're going to make Daisy into the villain. And I don't know how easy that is, you know, as far as chit chat's concerned. So they're getting the, the lowdown from racist Kelly here about the about the catfishing. Right. Is she telling them is she telling Bethany as well about the OnlyFans thing? Well everybody already knows about the OnlyFans thing. Because Ryan confessed it. Ryan in his in his open video letter thing. That story already broke. Right. Because the guy because the guy who, you know, when the when the thing when when the, when the thing glitched, when the so, thing that worked too perfectly glitched, he's like, "Hey, you're the guy from that story," and immediately called the Weather Gazette because obviously, the only people on OnlyFans are other people living in Weatherfield. So it's just the catfishing thing that right. she's selling. Yeah, and I don't think there's enough of a story there, and I don't think that particular story follows the narrative that. The Weather Gazette and Chit Chat and other things have already built up. And also Ryan's gone. Ryan's Ryan. gone. Ryan's gone, so she's getting no comment from Ryan. Yeah, she really only has one source here. And it's a source that is biased. Just a wee bit. Against Daisy already. Nobody's going to confirm this story for Bethany. And I don't think she wants anybody to confirm the story because she knows people will hate her. So this story has no input from any of the people that are involved in it. No. This isn't much of a story. Except for racist Kelly, who lived with Ryan at the time. But who but didn't have a part to play in the story. Exactly. So I don't know that she's got a publishable story here. No. Not in reality. But on Coronation Street. What a scoop. <laughs> maybe somebody it is. Call, maybe it ain't. Somebody call Clark Gable. Yeah. He'd know what to do with us. He would. I don't know. But she, yeah, she definitely feels like she's not all that into, into Daniel, certainly. And and this is just a, a, a means to an end. But I, I don't know. I don't know how this fits in with her. Because remember, she's got something that she's kind of hiding from somebody back in London. Because she's had a telephone conversation, or she's trying to speak to people that to don't try and make take her things calls. right who don't want to help her. So, so I don't know that that any of this 
fathers that any. No, it is just going to get these people to also hate her and want her to go away. Yeah, and that's fine because I really don't like her. And no, I me nev- neither. And I never have. I don't really like the, the character. The character doesn't really work for me. And I think, I think, I think there's a difficulty with this character because this character was invented for a teenage pregnancy storyline. And now it's it's just kind of now they just make jokes about how people think Sarah and Bethany are sisters or something. Yeah, and continually bring up that Sarah was thirteen when she had her. Right. Yeah. I mean the the Nathan grooming storyline and stuff uh, was it was good in a hard to watch kind of way. It did give us the scene where you had four generations of the same family in a strip joint, which you know. It wasn't nothing. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know that there was enough there to bring her back. And to bring her back for this just seems... Yeah. Ugh, I just don't see where it's going. Oh, well. Let's move on. Our next storyline is... Do you want to bet? So on Monday, Dee Dee turns up at Ed's with good news about the insurance claim and instructs him to make a list of the stuff that he lost in the fire, preferably with receipts of available. Things are starting to turn around for Ed. Apart from all the lying and accidentally almost killing Michael stuff, but Dee Dee seems to kind of forgotten all about that. I Ed, think she's she's compartmentalizing. Ed goes to the rovers to fill out the claim form. Damon comes in and advises Ed to pad it out a bit. Everyone does it. In fact, insurance companies expect it. Ed though insists on doing everything by the book now. He goes off to get the drinks in, leaving the claims form unattended. Damon, no. <laughs> Ed goes round to Dee Dee's to hand over the claim form. She checks it over and wonders what the fuck her dad's playing at. He's claiming an angle grinder, the Elgin marbles, and his wife that were all lost in the fire. Ed insists that he didn't do it, or apparently read over the form before handing it back to her. It must have been that Damon. So Ed has a word with Damon about the claim. Damon says he was just trying to help. Ed asks him not to do any more favours for him in future like that, but he's... It's all fine. Ed's still right. trying to keep on Damon's good side because right. Damon's given him a job and Damon has, has actually been pretty all right to Ed in the Right, past. yeah. And and in fairness to Damon, who, let's remember, used to be a very bad guy on the wrong side of the law. Mm-hmm. He sh- I'm sure he felt like he was genuinely helping. It wasn't when he, it wasn't until he realized that Dee Dee was looking over the papers that he's like, oh, yeah, I, I fucked up. Right. On Friday, Joel comes in to see Dee Dee. They are so lovey-dovey that Alia has to leave. Dee Dee is too busy for lunch, though, and is supposed to be meeting a new client, so Joel offers to meet the client for her and promises not to poach, so Dee Dee agrees. Alia's back! We got to see Alia this week. We haven't seen Alia in ages. No, she's been... since Since for whatever reason they've moved the lawyer's office to Dee Dee's house. Because of that pipe. Remember? That month ago pipe. Right. I'll tell you, I'm worried that that set's not there anymore. And we're never going to see inside that lawyer's office. But anyway, we've seen Alia a couple of times working from home at Dee Dee's. But yeah, yeah, but it hasn't been a while. So, <clears throat> Dee Dee sees Ed and confirms that the claim form has been sent off. Ed says that he's cleared everything with Damon. And Damon's promised never to attempt to commit fraud in uh, Ed's name again and he needs Damon's work so Dee Dee has to be happy with that so Joel is meeting the new client in the bistro because the law office is kaput 
It seems to be a road traffic accident. Another woman comes in and sees Joel and a new client and interrupts them. Joel loses his cool a bit, quickly ends the meeting with the new client who stomps off in a huff. Joel asks how the new woman found him. He told her that he would sort it out and the woman would rather that this happens now. So Joel takes her someplace private, like his office. Right, yeah. He says, how did you find me? And she says, I called your office and they said you were here. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because initially I thought, oh no, this is the woman that the other woman got into the traffic accident with. That's what I thought. (laughs) But no. She's not there for her. She's there for him. And also, isn't this already kind of weird that he's taking this interview for this new client for Didi instead of staying at Didi's and doing some of her paperwork while she goes to interview? No, Helen, what yeah. you seem to be doing here is... Is being reasonable? Trying to deflect away from the fact that I was right with all this talk about about Dee Dee here and going back to wherever and stuff that Joel is a wrong one. We don't I, I've know been saying that. It, I've been saying it for weeks. We don't know that. And now the, the he, pigeons are coming home to roost on this story no, like one feels. This, we don't know why. We don't know what he's supposed to be sorting out for this person. We don't know that. It could be perfectly innocent. Sure. So... <laughs> They don't mention anything about what they're sorting out. They speak on right. very vague terms. Right. So that's obviously not got any drama attached to it. Well, not yet. Joel that is, doesn't make him has a been suspicious from the start. No, he hasn't. And this, What has he done me, that's suspicious? Proof. What is one thing he's done that's suspicious? He's in cahoots with this lady about something. Yeah, but you said he's been suspicious from the start. He's been suspicious from the start because they were just waiting for something like this to happen. But what did he do that was suspicious besides, oh, this is a soap opera, he something was, bad's going to happen? He was too good to be true. He was too good to be true. He absolutely had skeletons in his closet. And you're like, nah, he's just a nice guy. Nah, he's got skeletons in his closet. That this guy's too good to be true. Who doesn't have skeletons in their closet? That doesn't well, make exactly. him a bad boyfriend. Well, exactly. So I, I feel somewhat vindicated that there's something going on here between him and this woman. <laughs> so uh, later, Joel tells Didi that the meeting was a bust and the client is meeting a new solicitor, so don't hold your breath for it. And Didi doesn't really care. No, Thanks she him anyway. doesn't. She says, this is why she loves him. And then Didi shits herself and runs away, embarrassed by this declaration. It seems to have been just a slip of the tongue. Right. Like they're in high school. Right. What is what is wrong? Why do shows continue to do this? Like make it a really big deal when somebody says, I love you to the other person for the first time and then act like it's the most cringiest thing that you can ever say to a person that you've been dating for months. Yeah, they've been going out for a while. Certainly. Yeah. Later, Didi tells Ed how embarrassed she is about how she blabbed about loving Joel, but before she can get too much into it, she gets a text from him wanting to talk about it at the bistro, and she's worried that he's going to split up with her. Uh-oh. So, when she gets to the bistro, Joel's quickly dinging calls from Emily, who we presume is the woman that he met earlier. Yeah. Dee quickly apologises for telling him that she loves him. I'm sorry that I told you that I love you. It's so cringy. I don't love you. Is that I'm, better? I'm, Does I'm, that make it better now? I'm sorry I gave you the ick for telling you that I love you. She said it was a slip of the tongue. Joel is cool about the whole thing and says that he's falling in love with her too, which isn't the same thing. She says that she loves him. He says that he is falling in love with her. 
that means that she's already there. He's in the process of getting there. Uh-huh. That's what that means. Hmm. Nobody seems to remark on this. Also, Didi is made up. Also, again, this this shouldn't be a thing. It it shouldn't be worthy of four or five scenes in this episode. Correct. Correct. Joel says it's a long time since he's felt this way about anyone. Didi feels the same. From the way they're talking, though, it sounds like they're in love because it's easier than finding someone else. Joel dingies more calls from the mysterious Emily, and when Didi leaves, he calls her back and tells her that he'll sort it and asks her to back off. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Dum, dum, dum. So who is this mysterious Emily? His <sighs> sister. And he this, has to... <laughs> this black woman is his sister. It can happen. Mm-hmm. They could have different mums. But the same father, and the father has died, and he needs to clear up the estate and take it to probate. She's been waiting forever. Or like a different strokes kind of arrangement? Yes, that could happen too. What you talking about, Joel? That's what Emily could say to him. It is. Yeah. Do you find let, it... Let's, let's keep on digging for, for <laughs> alternatives here. Do you find it interesting that she is a black woman... And Didi is a black woman. It seems that he has a type. <laughs> is that icky? Is it like fetishization? Or is it just these are these two women he just happens to find attractive or both of the same race? Sort of thing. Fetishization makes it sound like it's a bad thing. Well, that's because it is. It's bad to fetishize an entire race. As opposed to, you know, falling in, genuinely falling in love with people of any race. Well, that's different from having a type. Right, yeah. So does he have a type or is it a fetishization, which is gross. Because you're not in love with the person. You're in love with the idea of what you take that person of that race to be. Of what that race. This happens an awful lot. You especially hear an awful lot of complaints from Asian women about being fetishized by white men. I don't know that we have enough information to make that leap at the moment. Right. I think maybe we just say he's got a type. But we don't even know if he was dating Emily yet. So. Well, is he? Is Emily his ex? Is Emily maybe his wife? Or is it his sister? Or cousin? Or former business partner? It could have nothing to do with dating. Well, the the internet has blown up with, well, a certain corner of the internet. Well, a certain corner of the Coronation Street corner of the well, internet has blown up. There's Jumping also, to the conclusion that, that she's his wife. I don't think that she's his wife. There's also a certain corner of that part of the internet who thinks that Joel is racist Kelly's secret flame. So, and also a certain part of that internet thought that Ryan and his brother were going to start having a sexual relationship. Going back to that, I'm starting to think that you really wanted that to happen because it's living rent-free in your head. <laughs> it's just the easiest thing to go back to of a ridiculous theory that never happened. Can you I, think of a more ridiculous theory that never I, happened? I, I don't think that's it, his wife. But I, I don't think it's his sister either. There has to be something in between, but I think there's something that he that he is definitely trying to hide. Right, there's but something it could that be he nothing. doesn't want Didi to find out about. Right, but it could be nothing. But if it's nothing, then there is no story here. 
Right. So it isn't nothing. And we've had quite a few stories lately where it turned out to be nothing. So. No, well, we've had stories where Sean's boyfriend bullied George. Thank you. That, but that didn't feel like it was a, a nothing. It feels like there's going to be something to it. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be so shifty. But I don't think it's his wife. I think that's far too easy. Yeah, whereas a sister would be interesting. In probate court, so exciting. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Holding on to that sister thing. So the whole love declaration thing, when you take his response to, I feel like I am falling in love with you, I am in the process of falling in love with you. Right. Coupled with, because this is something that he says when Emily is, has turned up again. This isn't something that he says before that. So I, I, I don't know, there's, there's something in the, in the structure of this and the, the way that these things are kind of happening, the order in which they're, they're being revealed that right. make me feel like there's a... There's, it, there's, a, there's does, a, something, there's a niche here that needs to be scratched. Does it also kind of feel weird the fact that they still haven't, they still don't have a sexual relationship going on here? She's very she's clear, very to, clear make to everybody that she's not sleeping with this man. Is she just saying that though? He did spend a night. Right. They were watching Netflix. Mm. It happens. But, like, this week, especially, she's like, oh, nothing like that's going to happen. And it's like, you're an adult woman. It's okay if that happens. Yeah. So why is she making a big deal about the fact that it hasn't happened yet? That, that's happened weeks ago. Must have done. No. Doesn't seem like it. And again, they've been dating for a couple months now. Well, that's suspicious in itself. Right. And the I love you should have happened before now. Right. Oh, well, moving on. Our next story is the Simon doesn't fall far from the Peter. On Monday, Simon arrives at the bistro. Nick is in tears because 10 beers are missing from the fridge and he Im- immediately blames Simon and Bobby. Bobby! Bobby! Bobby, phone! Bobby! That boy, right. <laughs> I keep on forgetting who that is. Sorry, who is that? Take Hill! Oh. Because he says that about Bobby Hill all the time. Simon is hungover and offers to pay for the drinks. Nick makes it clear that he'll be docking his wages and he and Leanne send him home in a huff because he's still kind of drunk. So Simon goes to the rovers to get wrecked. Daisy tries to get him to cool his jets, but Jenny is keen to sell the lad as much booze as she possibly can before his lover packs in. She does try to slow him down a little bit with a hot pot, though. Later, Simon is close to pissing his pants drunk, which is predominantly Jenny's fault, and she snaps at Daisy to get him home. Daisy just throws him into a booth. So later, when Leanne comes in, Simon is asleep in the booth, wakes up in a foul mood, breaking a glass as he leaves. Poor kid, says Jenny, whose fault this definitely is. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was Glenda who says poor kid. Was it? I thought it was Jenny. Yeah, Jenny does not give a fuck about this kid. <laughs> she gives a fuck about the broken glass. Do you know what? I think that's a problem with this storyline in total. Jenny doesn't give a fuck about this kid. Nobody gives a fuck about this kid. Nobody gives it except for Glenda. And sometimes, Le- and only sometimes, Leanne. And I'm including the audience in that. Nobody cares. Do I, they? I do. Do you? I, I think. I think this really sucks for this poor kid. I think it sucks that his parents do not give a fuck about him. He's right to be upset. He's not right to be drunk, but he is right to be upset. And nobody 
except for Leanne briefly, seems to care about why he's upset. On Friday at the flat, Leanne is worried about Simon, who is still drunk from last night and wants to uh, skip work again. Apparently, he drunkenly said stuff about Nick and his dad last night that he can't remember. And Leanne says booze isn't the answer. Yeah, we heard him. What did he say? You know, the f- my dad doesn't give a fuck about me. Oh, he left that, me okay, without okay, sure. saying goodbye. And Nick, my stepdad, doesn't really care either. You know, and wants to throw me out in the street. Yeah, they've, they've made Nick really hate Simon here. <laughs> Is that true? Is that what Nick thinks about Simon? I think Nick, Nick has so infrequently had to deal with Simon. I think Nick is annoyed that he has to think about Simon at all. Yeah. So Leanne tells Simon to cut it back and he agrees. He says he's not his dad. He totally is. So Toya comes in late to find uh, at work. So in the bistro, Toya comes in late to find Leanne still worried about Simon's drinking and how Nick is so unhappy he was in tears about it earlier. Nick comes along and Toya tells him that Leanne needs some TLC here. So Bobby is with Summer and Nina's roles because they're friends now, apparently. Bobby is planning a party to cheer Simon up and get Summer and Nina on board. Bobby would like Grace Skelly to come too because he fancies her, which explains to Nina why he's so keen to have this party. Bobby leaves a list of snacks and drinks for them to get, and Simon comes in and he says he's feeling too ropey for a party, but Bobby manages to convince him by mentioning it one time. One more time. Later, it's party central at Carla's. Bobby has made a haymaker punch, saying that one swig of it will knock you out, and everyone except someone joins in. Right, and the party is just the people who are talking about the party in the rovers. Yeah. Alia's not there. Amy's not there. Would we expect Alia to be there? Or not Alia. Addie's not there. Asha's not there. Amy's not there. No, just the young crew who were in this week. Well, Amy was in this week. She was there. She could have got no, no, no. She was supposed to go, but instead she decides to hang out with her dad. To talk about Tomio. Right, yeah, which is just a good decision. A good decision. But there's also not, you know, random actors in a non speaking role in the background, which you would expect at a party. Yeah. At the flat, Sam is looking forward to getting a decent night's sleep ahead of his chess competition. What with Simon being out and uh, at the party at Sam he's back yeah hi Sam Nick and Leanne he's are about very to... cute in his onesie pajamas Nick and Leanne are about to share a bath but then Toya bursts in dying for a shite so that's that done right yes we finally actually get to remember <laughs> that Nick and Leanne are in a intimate relationship with one another <laughs> yes. because we only ever see them at the bistro anymore and yeah worried about how much money they're losing right you do not know they have baths together right well they do when when toil's not got diarrhea and they're they're planning on having a bath uh toe to or tail to what is it top to tail top to tail which scissoring Men have a blockage in the center of their crotch where scissoring does not work. You could poke it then. That's not really scissoring then, is it? Uh-huh. Because <laughs> you can poke it then into something. I was thinking more of a potentially drowning 69 situation, but... Oh, what way it's sure. found. Scissoring works, I guess. Yeah. That's what I'm led to believe anyway. But Nick is so tall. Does that work? Can he fit in a bathtub? Or does he have to, like, bend his knees? 
That would be awkward. I mean, British baths are just sitting up in it. <laughs> They're tiny already. All these people are so obsessed with baths on this show. The love a bath. Once a week, whether they need it or not. With rose petals and, and scented candles. Rose petals, that's just going to block your drains. And get up your floof. Anyway. <laughs> You're such a romantic. So, Bobby and racist Kelly are getting on fine, but she doesn't fancy playing twist with them. And she doesn't fancy him at all, really. Summer thinks racist Kelly could do worse. But racist Kelly doesn't want complications in their life at the moment, and all of this is enough to make Nina start crying. Bobby thinks it's time Nina went home. Right, yeah. It's like, Bobby, read the room. The party's winding down and Simon wants to finish their beers. Simon asks to stay as he doesn't want to wake Sam up in, in the... With the whole chess tournament yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. And so Bobby agrees, goes to his bed. Simon looks at a photo of Peter and Carla and opens a new can. Right, and that's and as far as we get with that. A week. very old <clears throat> picture of Peter and Carla. Yeah. A a a pre bearded Peter who looks so weird without his beard. Bobby's behaviour here. Yeah. Kinda sucks. How is When before it was kinda it was kinda as if is it me or are they trying to make him look less schlubby? Are they trying to make him more attractive? Here, because he seemed, he seemed kind of a cutie pie this week, whereas before, oh, he? before he didn't really seem to be. Like his hair was combed differently, and his shirt was tucked in, or something. Is that what it takes, is it? <laughs> you should know. I don't know. I you don't comb know. your hair very well. There's not an awful lot of it to comb. <laughs> and no, I'm starting to draw a line under Bobby asking Bobby asking racist kelly out she says that she's not interested and she said that she's not interested multiple two, times two or three times multiple now. times and he seems to be of the opinion that wearing her down he's going to wear her down is going to work i don't know that's and a i great thought look. we yeah i thought we left that in 1980s john hughes movies he can ask her out and she can say no but she can say no not in a way that means yes, but in a way that means not now. Right, yeah. I'm not really in a position to be in a relationship right now. And that makes sense. And I kind of felt that that's how she'd said it at the start. She right. wasn't writing the whole thing off completely, but right. she's saying, this isn't the right time. Now, sort of is she not writing the whole thing off completely to be nice? Or because she means not now? Well, I think that's the, another the, thing the complication too. is our is this boyfriend of hers. Right. Who's, Who she's, she's broken up, up with. with. But still fairly recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know that racist Kelly is the sort of say something to be nice person. It kind of feels like she's trying to be that person because the way she was patting Nina on the back, you could tell she was clearly uncomfortable with the idea of consoling someone, but she was still doing it. She doesn't really know Nina. She kind of knows Nina because she, she kind of really. knows the young crew a little bit. She doesn't because Max and Gav and Sabrina don't run those circles. Right, yeah, which is a, was an, which w- was another weird thing. The fact that there are these other these, there there are other young people in the show that they could have also they could have invited Max and Sabrina and Gav, even though 
Simon and Max kind of hate one another at the moment because Simon slagged Max off as a as a racist, which, which wasn't without some merit, right? Yeah, but he's not a racist now because he has a black girlfriend. But racist Kelly you forgot that Gav. Racist Kelly looking at Nina is kind of looking at her boss more than anything. Yeah. But they do work together, so she does know. She does know about the whole Asha thing and stuff. And she does like Nina because Nina has been kind to her. But it, it, it it's obvious that she is still not used to being a nice person yet. And then Bobby wants Nina to leave because she's crying and she's bringing down the mood of the party. Thus right. ruining his chances with racist Kelly, which don't exist. Right. I still, I kind of thought that was funny though. Nina, is it no time for you to leave or somebody take her home? Mm-hmm. But well, I'm, but I think, it wasn't but, funny. but I think I'm tiring of the keeping on asking out racist Kelly. Right, I think, I think to he needs to stop that. Yeah, now. he does need to stop that. Yeah. yeah, because it makes him creepy. Simon, for all he says that he's not his dad, and for all he says that he's not drinking every night, he is drinking every night. This is not the first time that they've said to him that he's stinking the next morning. Right. He's still drunk the next morning. Right. The fact that he says that he's not his dad and the fact that he keeps on looking at photos of his dad, you think that would be a reminder to him of what he's doing. Right, yes. But then let's also remember, the kid's not wrong. His parents are shit. All four of them. He's essentially got four parents now because he's got Peter and Leanne. But he's also got Carla and Nick. And none of the f- those four people care about this kid at all. Like, every time one of them wants to do something nice for him, the other one is just kind of rolling their eyes and saying, oh, do we have to? Do we have to be nice to this kid who is dependent upon us for for love and, and guidance and and sympathy because we are related to him and we are responsible for him even though he is a young adult now? Yeah, given what happened to him, maybe the right thing to do is just make him your focus for a week and a half. Right, yeah. Let him feel like he's part of the family. Right. That, that, he's, that he's not in the way. Right. And all of this doesn't happen. Right, yeah. And Simon can be a jackass, but he's also... There, there's, not, there's not completely a lack of empathy in that character. Because he does care about waking up Sam before the whole chess thing, you know, and he and Bobby do seem to have put their differences behind them and become good cousins to one another at this point. I don't think either one of them are good for one another. I think Bobby has certainly not been good for Simon because it was Bobby's idea to drink after the bistro closed last week. And it was, and Bobby's the one who supposedly threw this party to console Simon. Which wasn't which for is that in, reason. Right. Which was actually so that he could get closer to racist Kelly, who has already turned him down politely once. Uh, more than that, but yeah. And is shoving at Simon the thing that he really needs to stay away from, which is, Hard liquor and more beer. Yeah, the, the the believable part of this though is that 
young men think that this is the right thing to do. Or young men who are young men in the 90s think that this is the right thing to do. Right, yeah. If your buddy's having a hard time, take him to the pub, get pushed, forget about it. Right. But if your buddy's having a hard time and getting pissed and that's just making things worse, then maybe not. Go to the movies. Go do something else that does not involve alcohol. Do something else with your friend. Well, that involves talking to them and... Yeah, we have evolved. Well, you don't have to talk in the movies. We have evolved beyond this. And I feel like it's not doing either one of these characters any favors because it's it's kind of wearing down the the likability that I've finally found in Bobby mm-hmm. by going, oh, no, he's still kind of a selfish prick who's a jerk. And uses yes. and intentionally uses his disability to make other people uncomfortable right and to get things from people yeah it's kind of going back that way again yeah it's almost like it depends on who's writing them right interesting hmm oh well our oh, final well. storyline tonight is damon on the move on monday it's sarah's birthday it's your birthday and bethany and gail are having a birthday breakfast with her and harry who is a little subdued this morning must be a right. come down from his bowling party with all those balloons. He also seems taller this week, doesn't he? Oh, he was sitting down for a long period, so it was well, hard to tell. When we see him later on walking down the street with no, Damon. No, I thought he was tiny. I guess Damon is also tiny. Well, it's so. really hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. Gail admires a new necklace of Sarah's that was a present from Damon. Gail, hopes Gail that says, never mind, I hate it. Gail hopes that he bought it. Sarah tries to calm things. She doesn't want to fall out on her birthday. It's your birthday. Then she drops a bombshell that Damon's moving in. Gail and Bethany both think that Damon is fucking awful and Harry isn't so sure either. On the street, Adam sees Sarah and Damon and Damon is moving in. He's weirded out by it and sarcastically wishes them luck, but thankfully doesn't have a panic attack. Right, yeah. And they arrive in a black cab. Arrives in a black cab? Yeah, that doesn't happen usually. Back at Dee Dee's, Adam has some questions about a firearm case and gun residue that was found in a client's hand, but his client insists that he's innocent. Adam wonders if there's any way this could be true, and this sets Joel off on a JFK conspiracy theory This rant. was weird! Well, Dee Dee, I told you! Well, Dee Dee promises to look into it, not the no. JFK thing. Right, yeah. Dee Dee says, oh yes, I've worked in America, so I know all about guns. Also, she tells him about a package that arrived for him. But not like that. He says he's going to look at it later. But Damon like is that. getting the drinks at the bistro, which is the best way to order his heart. And she gets wired into some tequila slammers, even though she looks surprised when she learns that Damon's moving in with Sarah. Meanwhile, Adam is with Daniel at the bar. Daniel suggested to leave, but Adam isn't changing his drinking plans for anyone shorter than five foot ten. Sarah goes to him to apologise. Except to Harry. Adam but- promises to be grown up about this for Harry's sake. It's all about Harry. It's all about Harry. That kid. We're just wild about Harry. Dee Dee and Joel have been chatting about JFK and rush off to tell Adam that they think that they might have cracked his case. If the witness touched the victim, they might have transferred residue to Adam's client and it might be enough for an appeal. In the meantime... And also, there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll. In the meantime, Adam's package is a world's best solicitor mug, which is a threat from Harvey. So Joel and Dee Dee leave, which allows Adam to call Harvey on his bum phone and let him know that things are looking up with his appeal and therefore their plan to get rid of Damon. 
So on Friday, Damon and Sarah are in Nina's roles. He's already pissed off about the suits that Adam's left in the flat and wants to know if she's working on the divorce. At this, Adam comes in, so Sarah asks to meet up to talk about those things and Adam reluctantly agrees. Yeah, and it's at this point that I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do agree with Gail and Audrey and Bethany about this because they're not even divorced yet and she's already moved a new penis in. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And he's the one that's that's complaining about all his stuff. Right. And he's the one that's badging her about the divorce. Right. At the flat, Dee Dee wants to talk about the case Adam had them researching, and he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. He'd rather be angry about Sarah and Damon, so Dee Dee offers to go to the meeting later, but he says he's a big boy and he can go on his own. So at the flat, Adam and Sarah argue over the contents of the flat. Adam thinks it'd be simpler just to sell the flat and split the difference. And he doesn't want the fucking couch. <laughs> but Sarah wants to buy him out with Damon's help, which allows Adam to get angry all over again about Damon. And he goes off for a meeting with no business concluded as far as the flat's concerned. Or the divorce. So to cheer himself up, Adam goes to the prison. He tells Harvey's plan about the gunshot residue, which should be enough to get the appeal launched. But this isn't enough for Harvey. He doesn't want an appeal. He wants to get out. Adam can't make any guarantees, so Harvey gets up to leave. Adam says the only way to get him off is to find someone else to carry the can. Harvey tells Adam to enjoy dreaming of Damon boning his missus. So Sarah sees Adam come home to the street and they continue to argue. Sarah says if they can't resolve things, they'll have to go to court. Adam insists that he's only worried about her and Harry because Damon is a fucking gangster, let's not forget. Sarah stomps off, which allows Mary to appear to give Adam a hug. She's not done that for a while. She thinks this is all Sarah's fault. Then Adam gets another bum call from Harvey, who's been thinking about Adam's idea. He may have found a guy willing to take the fall. The fall guy. Wait a second. This isn't the hospital. This is an oncologist appointment. The hospital. So, Adam gets sent to the hospital to look for a John Perry, who's Adam's expecting a doctor or a porter, but finds a man. Joe Perry's brother. Waiting for chemo. John is willingly going to confess to Natasha's murder. Later in the flat, Damon catches Sarah counting. She says that she was timing the kettle, but she says, no, I'm just kidding, it was my pelvic floor exercises. What? Damon would like to help... Kegels. She was doing kegels. Damon would like to help out with his bobby. She tells him about... That's not what that's for. She tells him about Adam wanting to sell the flat, and Damon reckons that they can do better than this lovely, lovely flat. So at the hospital, Adam doesn't know why John would want to do this. John! Adam doesn't know why John would want to do this when he's got a wife. John says his wife... And a gig with Aerosmith. ...deserves better than anything he's been able to give, and this is the only way he can leave something for her. Adam isn't sure he can be part of this and needs time to think. But he says... But John says... John! John says Harvey isn't the sort of guy you can fuck around with unless you don't care about your family or your Bobby. So Adam calls Harvey on his bum phone later about the supposed confession of a dying man. Harvey thinks it makes perfect sense. And short of a better plan, Harvey tells Adam that this is what they're going to go with. He hangs up and puts his phone back up his bum. To further convince Adam, Damon walks by, playing the stepdad of the year with young Harry. Then Algy meets up with Adam in the pub later. Adam is in a foul mood. Paul's there and he suggests that Adam just lets us go because, like Damon, life is too short. Yeah, for you, maybe, says Adam. Whoa! 
Team says Mugia. everybody at Team the Rovers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Paul says, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's if, not fine, Paul. If Billy and Summer left him and he had another 20 years ahead of him, he'd do everything he could to win them back. And Summer? And Summer. <laughs> Later, Adam jumps in a taxi with John. Tonight, they prep ahead of speaking to the cops tomorrow. Dum, dum, dum. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Oh, God. Between Adam saying this to Paul and Racist Kelly literally calling Bobby lame. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. There he he some, took that well. He did. Yeah, well... Because it wasn't meant he, like that. Right, yeah. Because nobody means it like that anymore. Right, nobody means it like that. But he took it, well, he jokingly took it like that to make her uncomfortable and make himself sympathetic yep. so that she will bone him. Yep. Or agree to be boned. Right. I don't think he really is bothered one way or the other. <laughs> <clears throat> but like... Harvey's plan of getting a random guy with cancer... To yeah. take the fall for this. Who who has, in his past, armed robbery? He's done 15 years. Right. So he has... But he's been he clean ever a, since. He is a man known to authorities. Right, yes. Bedside confessions. Deathbed confessions. Yes. Those, those... Adam's right. Those typically don't have an awful lot of weight behind them. People, people don't tend to believe deathbed confessions the thing that's going in harvey's favor though is nobody saw him kill natasha, natasha. no he had the residue on his hand that but was he had the residue in his hands and didn't he still have the gun no 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 he what happened to the gun after that because he finds the gun when it floats out of the drain the floating gun this is back to the floating gun this that, is the floating you've gun been talking about for years the stupid fucking floating gun. Mm -hmm. The only reason why he was able to kill Natasha is because Guns the float. writers of Coronation Street don't understand how physics work. Or buoyancy. <coughs> or buoyancy. Right. And how, how the configuration of atoms within a particular object will not float in another assortment of atoms which are lighter. In weight. Guns don't float. Guns don't float. Guns do not float. So Natasha should still be alive. But anyway, I digress. Floating gun. I'm still um, not happy about Natasha being dead, by the way. No, no. That still irks me somewhat. It does. She was brilliant. She was a great character. So. But anyway. So. I guess. I guess this appeal could probably work even if they didn't have the cancer guy. I feel like the cancer guy is not necessarily going to work, though, because, like I said, deathbed confessions. Although this isn't really a deathbed confession because he's not like in the process of dying as he's confessing. No, it's the fact that he has a limited time left that right. has made him, his conscience get the better off him and right. make him confess this. Right. Yeah. It's not him, you know, lying in the bed delusional because oxygen isn't getting to his brain and saying, I shot JFK and then right. dying. Although right. Joel, Joel would have loved that. that. Yeah. 
So weird. This is going to this is going to work. Let's let's make no bones about it. This is going to work, and this is going to get Harvey out. It better not. It, it is. It's going to happen. It's so dumb, though. And I'm sure lawyers in the United Kingdom are not happy about this bullshit storyline. Lawyers in the United Kingdom, let's be honest, aren't watching this. <laughs> their wives are, though. Or their husbands. Now, this I don't is, judge. This is... Um, I feel that this is going to happen because if it doesn't, then what's the point? <laughs> there's, there's no point. There needs to be something like what's Harvey really going to do to Damon? Harvey's going to double cross Adam without a shadow of a doubt. See, as well. my thing is, is that this fails, and then Harvey kills Adam because Adam got his hopes up. Because Harvey is unhinged. We already know this. Because he seemed to think that that whole armed robbery scheme that he tried to get Damon to do was going to work when it was never going to work. Well, the, the thing that this proves to me is that if Harvey was looking for a guy to be part of an armed robbery, John's your man. John's right there. John wants to have some money to give to his wife. To his wife so John would have been a willing participant in that probably. Right. I don't know how much use he would be. No. Depends on what his cancer is, I guess. Which we don't know. It's just cancer. <laughs> just just generic cancer. Is, is, is this just how British people get cancer? It's just cancer. It's cancer. It's cancer. No stage. No, just no. cancer. Just you, Where is it at? Just it's in your body. <laughs> Commoner garden bodily cancer. Right. We're so sorry. <laughs> but we can give you some chemo. But it's not going to work. Right. We can cut some pieces out of you, but it's not going to work. What's the JFK stuff all about? Is that meant to be funny? Is that meant to be funny that Joel's a bit of a conspiracy theorist? Although it's a conspiracy theory that, I, of all the conspiracy theories, it's one that I'm more likely to buy into. It's weird because he is so young that he's obsessed with this. But... If they had to give him a conspiracy theory to believe in, I I, I feel like Flat Earther. JFK is a lot safer than Taylor Swift as a psyop. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it evens out. Because she goes to football games? Uh, we don't want to get into okay, this. Okay. No, apparently she's going to win. The Super Bowl? She's going to yes. She's the the supposedly the, number nine Swift. She's a quarterback. The Democratic Party has apparently bribed the Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor Swift into getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl so that they will endorse Joe Biden so that Joe Biden will win. Okay. Or something to that effect. And I think maybe lizard people might also be involved. Who knows what those... I like it when the lizard people are involved. <laughs> those are my Who favorites. Who doesn't like lizard people? I don't like lizard people. Do you know why? Because I watched the television program V far too young. I watched V when I was eight or nine. Yeah. In that London with my mum. The week that we were in London was the week that V was on every night. Uh-huh. Oh, it was good. It, but it was good. I watched it when I was five. So scary. 
It was Lizard quite scary. People. It was quite scary. Very scary. Mark Singer, I think, was in it. Robert England was in it. <laughs> Robert England was the the nice lizard person. Right, because there's always one. Diana was the bad yes. lizard person. Yes. V was so good. And it's like, oh. And then it came back and it wasn't good. The big baddie is a lady lizard person. That's mm-hmm. new and different. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> We're talking about V and JFK conspiracy theories. You are. I- I'm trying to keep this podcast on track. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to do here. So... And nobody under the age of 40 knows what the hell we're talking about. No no change there. <laughs> Damon, who has become boring and is now keen for Sarah to have a flat free of Adam's suits and to have... Right, so he can hang his own like little sailor suits and to, to have that his, his mum bought him at Sears. And to have Sarah divorced... And it's keen to get a garden big enough for him and Harry to get lost in. Right. Which will be very easy, because they're the same size. I guess, why is Sarah so stupid to this? Because she's horny. But yeah, it seems like he really wants her to hurry up and get divorced, so he can marry her and get her up the duff again. And actually have the baby this time. I don't know, it's just... He seems quite... He seems a little too keen. Uh, and, and keen all, all out of the blue. I wouldn't say out of the blue, because he was quite keen before oh, as well. He was keen to move in because he fabricated that, or at least he, he played on the fact that he was uh, losing his rental and he'd have no place to live. So he, was, mm-hmm. he, was, he manufactured getting into the flat. And he's kind of manufactured getting his feet under the table right. with the family as well, even yes. though they all hate him. Except for David. Who wasn't there? David yeah. does not want to celebrate his sister's birthday. He's moving moving very quickly on this. I'm not sure. Is it just to prove to himself that he's changed? That he's suddenly a family man? He's tried the family man thing before. It didn't work with Jacob and he's wanting to try it again with Sarah. I mean, I can kind of understand his point. But again, I kind of agree with the family that he's moved in far too quickly because Sarah's not divorced yet. You know, and if this divorce turns ugly, if they do go to court, you know, Adam could use this. He was another one, though, who refused to take no for an answer. Yep. Remember, he was desperate to get into Sarah's pants. She said no, sure. and he said, I'm going to do this before July 22nd or whatever right. it was. Yep, that's true. So he's a bit of a wrong in that, in that regard as well. Right, Although yeah. she definitely gave him flutter, although, flutter, wink, wink. Although, and this is the disturbing part, it kind of feels like the show doesn't think that it's wrong for men to do this to harass women and wear them down until they finally say fine yes you can fuck me right when that is definitely wrong and men should not do that let's let's call that icky shall we it is yes um and also i mean adam adam sarah is the one who cheated sarah is the one who cheated adam's the one who left not just Sarah, but the flat. Mm-hmm. So for him to be like all indignant about the fact that she wants to keep the flat, she wants to continue living there, is kind of ridiculous. And Dee Dee does call him on this and tells him, you're the one who left. And 
I, yes, a lot of this now him wanting to sell the flat could be the fact that Damon is now living there. But still, it's like all these, both of these men claim that they just want to do right by Sarah and Harry. And yet both of them are doing things that will put both Sarah and Harry in jeopardy. Well, from Adam's point of view, if Sarah wants to live there, then Sarah needs to buy him out. But he doesn't want her to buy him out. No, but if if Sarah wants to live there, then that's what needs to happen. And right. if that's what happens, and and he accepts that, then he's nothing to fucking complain about. And right. if he doesn't accept it, then he's going to be paying for a mortgage of a of a flat and be responsible for that flat right. that he doesn't live in. Right. Unless he can force her into selling it. Right. And going halves. It's just, it's all just really very complicated and, you know, and above and beyond maybe putting Sarah and Harry out on the street, Adam is negotiating with a psychopath who's already murdered somebody Mm. and trying to get him out. A proven murderer. Yes. A proven wrongen. He doesn't think that, oh, that may put Sarah and Harry in danger. If Harvey gets out? Yeah, he's playing with fire here, definitely. All right, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Tell me, Helen, what was your moment of the week? Oh, gosh. I already defended this week, so I've got to have something. Yeah, apparently you quite liked it. Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was all quite sad. I liked it, but it was all quite sad. Um, And I don't like sad things to be the moment of the week. What was your moment of the week? Let me deflect back to you. I mean, I, I kind of complained about it because of its lack of substance, but that little run where Steve was basically just talking in innuendo, it was probably the funniest thing that happened this week. Yeah, we haven't given it to Steve in a while, have we? I wouldn't imagine so, no. Yeah, I can agree with that. That was funny. Let's do that. Steve's little innuendo run is our moment of the week. Feels like a bit of a half-hearted moment of the week, but Eh. when I write it down as the moment of the week, they all count the same. So, and your boring moment of the week, Daniel trying to get Bethany and Mm -hmm. and racist Kelly to admit that they don't know who Bob Dylan is. Absolutely boring moment of the week. Fuck that guy. Yeah, when he pulls this shit, I mean. What are we supposed to do? Just ignore it? Right. I dare him to... I I, I dare him to name one song from that album. (laughs) He probably only knows about that album cover because he's watched Vanilla Sky a million times. Because if there's one person on this earth who must love Tom Cruise an awful lot... Damon. It's Daniel. Oh, sure. If only this fictitious character (laughs) was here to defend himself. (laughs) Damon is the same height as Tom Cruise. Gotcha. There we go. Your score this week out of ten. You know what? I'm I'm gonna give it a seven. Oof. It's a short week and it was a sad week and it kinda bummed me out, but it was also pretty good as well. We didn't have any bullying. That's true. We didn't have any No stew. <laughs> I've not stew for ages. Yeah. We should make some. Oh. <laughs> Alia was back. Sam was back. Sam was adorable in his onesie pajamas. That's true. Yeah. It's a 5 out of 10 for me. Just a bog standard week. Nothing special for me, I don't think. 
And you know what? I And I was going to bring this up as possible moment of the week, but I really enjoyed the fact that Ed went to the Rovers to hang out with Paul and that Ed and Paul were hanging out and saying how how much they enjoyed one another's company and that they hadn't hung out in a, in a while. That was nice. That was part of the, the wider people are hanging out at the Rovers again right. thing. So yeah, always pleased to see that. Yes. This episode was brought to you with thanks to our friends of the podcast, Daisy, French, Helen, Pickles, DT, Trisha, Wendy, Noel, Canadian Helen, Christy and Shandy. Muchas gracias. If you've ever invited a semi-professional footballer to a romantic do with your missus, happy Valentine's Day when it comes. We're at the talk <laughs> of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads and Blue Sky. Does that mean I should cancel Messi? Oh, it'll be messy. <laughs> You can shout me and Helen a coffee or become a friend of the podcast by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. And be sure to check out our pop culture sister podcast, The List of Lists. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. We'll be back for a very long week next week. Yay. With more. The talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.